Well, good morning, everybody. I want you to think back to a time when you've experienced rejection. The good news, you've been rejected. <laughs> rejection actually makes us feel miserable, right? Think back to that time. I mean, some of you know your mom and dad, they love you, but they had ways, they had their ways to kind of make you feel like you just didn't quite measure up. Nothing you did was quite good enough. For others of you, it was a brother or a sister that maybe made you feel like you didn't belong. Maybe you felt the sting of rejection because you didn't get chosen to be on some team or because some boyfriend or girlfriend dumped you because you weren't quite rich enough or smart enough to go to that certain school. Or maybe you lost a job. Maybe you watched a spouse walk out with your kids. Or you didn't quite fit in at church. You didn't quite fit in at work. When and how have you experienced rejection? And how does that make you feel? But the good news is that Jesus has come for rejects. The good news is that the rejected are accepted in Christ. And to help us with this today, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Luke 19. Luke 19. I want to welcome you if you're watching online. We're glad you're with us. This is the third in our series of messages entitled, Never the Same. And we're looking at uh, stories in the life of Christ where he encountered people and their lives changed forever. Pastor Chad has encouraged us to engage in New Life 1024. And we've been encouraging thousands of you to have at least two New Life conversations a month with family and friends. And let me tell you about one I just heard about. I visited a friend, a CBCer, who was in the hospital on Friday. He was admitted for some precautionary reasons. And he started a new life conversation with one of the nurses. He told her his story about his coming to faith in Christ. And he asked her this question, do you know that you're going to heaven? And she said, well, I, I don't know. My friends told me that if you do enough good deeds, then you will earn enough points so that you go to heaven. And my friend asked her, well, how do you know if you've ever earned enough points or not? And then he said, you know what, as I understand the Bible, it's not points that get us into heaven because that would be bad news. It's the grace of God. Jesus Christ has come to pay the penalty for our sins and we put our faith in him and we're forgiven and we're accepted. And so she's thinking. It was a yellow light new life conversation. So I have a question. Who needs to hear about Jesus from you? Just keep praying Keep sharing. Well, today we're going to look at a story about a man named Zacchaeus. This is a man who was rejected by his peers, rejected by his people, and frankly, it made him miserable. But Jesus accepted him and everything changed. And we're going to see how, we're going to see why Jesus accepted him. And you know what? That can be true for you. We can all learn how to live in the acceptance of Christ. And when we do that, we will never, ever be the same. Um, so let's start. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. I'm going to read a verse and then talk about it a little bit, and then we'll keep moving through the passage. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through Jericho. That's a boom town. 
An ancient king had built a monumental palace there because Jericho had this tropical climate, had lots of water nearby. Some people called it a, a little paradise. It was famous for its healing balm produced from the many balsam trees that grew there. The fragrance perfumed the air. So this town was a center of trade. It was like a crossroads. You got Caesarea to the north. You got Jerusalem to the west. You got Egypt to the south. So this is a prime place for big tolls and heavy taxes. So Jesus is on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem to the cross, and he comes to Jericho. And by this time in his ministry, Jesus is very well known. Just a few weeks before, a few miles up the road toward Jerusalem in Bethany, he had raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. So word is out. I mean, there's no Twitter, there's no Facebook, there's no Instagram, there's no texting, but word is out about Jesus. He's a phenomenon. He's a much-talked-about rabbi, a much-talked-about prophet. So busy and prosperous Jericho is buzzing with the news that Jesus is in town. Verse 2. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. So you got this man named Zacchaeus. He had climbed to the top of his profession. He's leading a large staff of tax collectors. He's the head of the tax department for the whole tax district of Greater Jericho, which was one of the three main tax offices in all of Israel. Now, maybe you know that tax collectors were hated people. If you didn't like getting something from the IRS, multiply times 10 back then. Ancient Jewish law said that it was permissible for a Jewish person to lie to a murderer, to a thief, and to a tax collector. Now, why would they say that? Because the tax man was considered a traitor because he is working for the Roman government. Tax collectors had a reputation for cheating. They would overcharge the people, pay the Romans, and then they would keep the change. And they would keep a lot of change. So the common Jewish man is going broke while the tax collector is getting rich. So that's why tax, collector, tax collectors are despised as ruthless bill collectors who are working for the despised Roman government. So Zacchaeus, that's who he is. All is not well with this man. He's wealthy but not happy. He has chosen a profession that has made him an outcast. He's got wealth, he's got power, but he's rejected by the people. Now, evidently, Zacchaeus has heard about Jesus because Jesus has a reputation for welcoming tax collectors. I mean, we see in throughout Luke, story after story of Jesus and tax collectors. In Luke chapter 5, he calls Matthew, a tax collector, to be one of his 12 closest followers. In Luke chapter 15, the tax collectors are drawing near to hear Jesus teach. In Luke 18, uh, Jesus tells a story about two men who pray. One is a religious leader, and the other is a tax collector. And guess who Jesus makes the hero of the story? It's the tax collector. So it's not a stretch to think that Zacchaeus had heard about this Jesus, a man who welcomes tax collectors. Look at verse 3. And he, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. 
So he, as the song says, was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. (laughs) I mean, maybe Zacchaeus was the brunt of jokes. I mean, perhaps he's the kid that got pushed around, that got stepped on. Zacchaeus must have learned how to compensate somehow. He climbed a career ladder and probably stepped on anybody that stood in his way. And so here comes Jesus. And Zacchaeus wants to see him, this Jesus who changed the life of Matthew, the tax collector in Capernaum. Nobody is making room for Zacchaeus to see. Uh, He's such an unpopular man, they're not going to let him by. And he's standing on tiptoe and even on tiptoe. He can't see. So what's he do? Verse 4. He ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, for he, Jesus, was about to pass that way. Now, it looks like here, at first glance, Zacchaeus is seeking Jesus, but as we shall see a little bit later, no, it's Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. This is the Spirit of God prompting this little man to be curious about Christ. Verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, And said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus is on a mission. Jesus is on the lookout for Zacchaeus. That's why he looked up. Jesus has taken the initiative, and he has traveled through Jericho for this defining moment. And so Zacchaeus looks down into the eyes of the one who can see into the depths of his soul. And Jesus knows everything. He knows the lies. He knows the greed. He knows the stolen wealth. But he doesn't turn away. Instead, he says, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today. That's good news, right? Because the love and the acceptance of Jesus is available for anyone and for everyone. And that means you. And that means Me, Jesus, calls to himself whomever he wants, and especially the people that everybody else rejects. No one is so good that he need not be saved. And no one is so bad that he cannot be saved. Look at verse 6. So... He, Zacchaeus, hurried and came down and received him, received Jesus joyfully. And you know what? If Jesus is calling you, you better hurry. You say, well, why should I hurry? Because look at what happens for Zacchaeus. He gets joy. This miserable little man gets joy. Verse 7, and when they saw it, now who's they? That's the crowd. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He, Jesus, has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. The crowd isn't happy. They condemn Zacchaeus. They criticize Jesus. Uh, We thought Jesus was good. We thought Jesus was righteous. We thought Jesus was holy. Why does he want to hang out with that dirty little crook? I mean, think of all the money that he extorted from us. He got rich at our expense. You know what? I'm never going to forgive him. I would never go to that guy's house. He's terrible. He's despicable. He's a lowlife. So you got Zacchaeus, rejected by everyone, but Jesus accepts the rejected. Jesus is the one who says, you know what? It's not the healthy who need the doctor. It's the sick who need the doctor. Guess what? Zacchaeus is sick. I'm the doctor. Of course I'm going to help him. 
So he enters into Zacchaeus' world. He goes to Zacchaeus' house. Now, what happened there? What did Jesus say? Well, we don't know. I would have loved to have heard that conversation. But we know the kinds of things that Jesus said. I mean, earlier in Luke chapter 14, Jesus defines what it's like to be a follower of his. And he says, you know what? I got to be more important to you than any other person. And I got to be more important to you than any other purpose. And I got to be more important to you than any possession. Follow me. And if you follow me, I will give you a full and meaningful life. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, don't miss this. He calls Jesus Lord here. Remember what Josh taught us just a few weeks ago, if you were here? Is Jesus just a rabbi to be respected? Is he a prophet to be revered? Or is he the Lord to be worshipped? He's the Lord to be worshipped, and that's what Zacchaeus calls him. And because Zacchaeus makes Jesus Lord, he repents. He's giving away half his stuff to the poor. And for the people that he's cheated and conned, he's paying them back four times. Now, the Old Testament law had said, if you confess to fraud, you got to pay the people back and add 20%. That's in Numbers 5. That's in Leviticus 5. Zacchaeus is going way beyond that. And this is proof of his new life in Christ. His heart was transformed. He's going to live new no matter what the cost to himself. Money is not his master anymore. Jesus is. Because, you see, if you have new life in Christ, you will never be the same. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. All right, so he's Jewish. He was raised in the church, but he had not experienced salvation. See, there are a lot of us in the room, if you say, Are you saved? You go, What do you mean? I, I, I've kind of always believed in God. I've always believed in Jesus. I'm, no, no, no. There's a time when you're not, and then you be are. Salvation came to his house that day. When has salvation come to your house and mine? Here the acceptable has come, the unacceptable has become acceptable to God. So Zacchaeus is saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from sin's penalty. Saved from hell. Saved from separation from God. Saved from selfishness and greed and materialism. But not only saved from what, but saved for what? He's saved for doing good to the poor. He's saved for generosity and compassion and love. He's saved for heaven. He is saved for fellowship with God. Now I want you to understand something. Zacchaeus is not saved because he gave away his stuff to the poor. He gave away his stuff to the poor because he was saved. Jesus forgave him, accepted him, and changed him. He's got new life in Christ. I mean, think about it. Zacchaeus had no points. He was a liar and a cheat and a thief. Zacchaeus saved him, and he was never the same. It says here he became a son of Abraham. Now, Genesis 15, 6 says that Abraham is the father not only of the Jewish people, but of everybody who would ever believe. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteous. Think about it. 
He, Abraham didn't even have points, but he put faith in God, and that made him righteous. He didn't do anything but believed. Well, Zacchaeus didn't do anything to be saved. Jesus took his future work on the cross when he would die in Zacchaeus' place to pay for his sin, and he applied that to Zacchaeus' life that day. And no wonder Zacchaeus is rejoicing now because it's finished. It was done. There was no spiritual to-do list to tackle. It's finished. And that is not only true of Zacchaeus. It's true for everyone who comes to God through Christ in faith. It's true for everybody who becomes a son or a daughter of Abraham who believe God. It will be counted to you as righteousness. See, Jesus lived the life I could not live And he died the death I dare not die. He took my duties that I should have performed and didn't, and he performed them perfectly. And then he took my failures, my sin, the things that I shouldn't have done, and he paid the penalty when he died on the cross. So we don't have to do because it's already been done. And we put our faith in that. It's faith, not works, that makes us sons and daughters of Abraham. Verse 10. Jesus is talking about himself here. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man. It's an apocalyptic phrase from the Old Testament book of Daniel. And Jewish people knew that this is a reference to the Messiah. And Jesus uses the term to talk about himself. Now, he says, I'm seeking and saving the lost. You've got to understand, understand something. This has been the mission of God ever since our first parents sinned. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God sought after them. And he's been seeking and saving sinners ever since. Because if he didn't seek us, we would never seek him. Jesus says in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. We seek him because he first sought us. So the good news is that the rejected are accepted in Christ. And I think in this room, we've all felt the sting of rejection. We've all been on the outside looking in. We all know what it's like to not measure up. I mean, did you ever have a friend at school who was really nice to you one day and then mean the next? Did you ever have a boss that made you employee of the month and then three months later fired you? I mean, whatever crowd you're trying to join, you can't quite seem to fit in. Maybe you're too tall or you're too short or you're not smart enough or you're too smart or you didn't go to the right school or you got the wrong accent or you're too opinionated or people just disagree with your opinions. I mean, there could be a million reasons why you might not feel accepted. Instead, you're rejected. Well, I want us to take just a few moments to focus in on verse 5. And we're going to break it down phrase by phrase and see what it teaches us about Jesus and the people that feel rejected, about Jesus and people like us, okay? First, Jesus comes for us. Look how that verse opens. And when Jesus came to the place, Jesus came to that place because he was coming for a person. Jesus had come specifically particularly for Zacchaeus. Now, most everybody here knows what it's like to have people walk away from you, right? 
A friend has betrayed you. A spouse has divorced you. Your child has blamed you for the family breakup. A girlfriend or a boyfriend dumped you. A work colleague won't go to lunch with you anymore. Most of us have experienced some kind of abandonment in our lives. Well, the good news is this. When others are walking away from us, Jesus is walking toward us. He says in John 10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. I love, I love the words of the old hymn. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Jesus sought me. Jesus comes for us. Second, Jesus looks at us. Notice again in verse 5, he looked up, it says. He's looking at and seeking for sinners like me, like you, like Zacchaeus. He doesn't look our way to reject us. He doesn't look to see what's wrong with us. I mean, he already knows that. He looks our way to accept us. And for some of us, that's just like a radical new view of God. Jesus is looking for the lost. He's the seeker. It says in Ezekiel 34, I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. We ought to be grateful that Jesus seeks after us because left to ourselves, we would never seek after God. And there would be no salvation and no forgiveness and no hope of heaven if Jesus did not seek after us. He looks at us. In Luke 15, just a few chapters earlier, Jesus taught us about the heart of God. He's like a shepherd seeking a lost sheep. He's like a woman seeking a lost coin. He's like a father seeking a lost son. And he finds us. And once the lost is found, he rejoices over finding the likes of us. He looks at us to rescue us and then rejoices over us. Jesus comes for us. He looks at us and he calls to us. Notice again in verse 5. He said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I love the fact that it's a personal call. Have you heard that personal call? Do you remember hearing a voice in your heart? Hey, Beth, hey, Bill, Pete, Joan, Joe, Cindy, Megan. Hey, don't be afraid. They might reject you, but not me. I've redeemed you. I accept you. You are mine. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. In your heart, have you ever heard that call from Jesus? Is he saying that to you today? It's a personal call. It's an urgent call. Notice he says, hurry and come down. And some of you are here today and you're going, wow, this sounds pretty good, but not today. Maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll give my life to Christ. I'll invite Jesus into my house, into my heart later. But you're not guaranteed a tomorrow. Tomorrow may be too late. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Now is the favorable time. 
Now is the day of salvation. It could be that God brought you here today for this. To hear Jesus calling to you. Is the Spirit of Jesus stirring in your heart right now? He's calling you. Hurry, come down to Jesus. Jesus comes for us. He looks at us. He calls to us. And then He stays with us. Notice what He says again in verse 5. It says, For I must stay at your house today. I must stay. It wasn't, Come down, Zacchaeus, because I might stay at your house. I must. And He's going to, Stay. He's going to abide. Oh, yeah, he left eventually at the end of that day. But when he came into Zacchaeus' heart, he came to stay forever. He's not going to walk in one door of your life and then out the other. Because the Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Close fellowship happens when you sit down and you share a meal with somebody. And that's what Jesus wants to do with the people that everybody else rejects. Jesus comes for us. He looks at us. He calls to us. He stays with us. Now the Bible says about Jesus, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think... At least one thing that means is this. The way he called Zacchaeus is the way he still calls people today. Now, so what? Well, keep reading. Verse 6, so he, Zacchaeus, hurried and came down and received him, received Jesus joyfully. So the application for us is this. Will you hurry? Will you come down? And will you receive Jesus joyfully today? See, Zacchaeus wasn't just a wee little man. I think he was a wee little miserable man before Christ. But after he encounters Christ, he's rejoicing. I mean, the implication is, is that before Christ, he wasn't rejoicing. Now, we don't know what made him miserable. I mean, maybe the Jericho Browns never made the playoffs. <laughs> maybe his wife kept him awake at night snoring. Or maybe all of his kids grew up to be taller than he was. I don't know, but we do know he was miserable. But this man began to think differently about life after he met Jesus. Because it wasn't about money and possessions and status anymore. Instead, it was about forgiveness and hope and eternity and relationships. And even though he had less money after he met Christ than he did before he met Christ, his joy skyrocketed. What happened? Well, this guy got into the crowd. And then he left the crowd and got into the tree. And then he went from the tree into the house to hang out with Christ. And when all of that took place, a switch was flipped in his life and he was never the same. He became joyous. So how's your level of joy? You know, Zacchaeus didn't say, well, now how am I going to maintain my lifestyle? I've been saving for my children, my grandchildren's futures. What's going to happen to them now? Jesus, you're going to deplete my pension fund. I may never be able to retire. And you're asking me to make restitution and give to the poor? No, he's not thinking that. He's thinking, what? My sins are forgiven? 
and, 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 and if the worst happens on this planet and I die, I go to heaven forever. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. The Lord of heaven and earth has accepted me. Are you kidding me? This is the best deal ever. I am now a friend of God. I'm a true son of Abraham. I will gladly share what I've been given. I will gladly pay back what I've been stolen times four because this is the best day of my life. See, the most despised man in Jericho became the most delighted man in Jericho. The most guilty man became the most glad man. The most judged man became the most joyous man. Coming to Christ doesn't make us miserable. It makes us exceedingly happy. Because if you've ever experienced rejection in your life, and then you come to realize that the most important person in the universe has accepted you, it brings great joy. And some of us, we've forgotten about how awesome it is to be accepted by Jesus. And so we've become miserable little people, trapped in our own little hearts. And God is asking us today to open up our hearts and remember again how awesome it is to be accepted by God. Maybe there's a little boy here who's hurt because your dad is too busy to spend time with you. But you need to know something. You matter to Jesus, and he's calling you by name. Maybe there's a little girl here whose friends have treated you badly, but Jesus is saying, hurry, hurry, come to me, and I will heal your hurts. Maybe there's a teenager here, and when you look in the mirror, you hate what you see. And Jesus is asking you, will you receive me into your heart, into your house? Because you know what? I know you and I think you're beautiful. There's a young man here. You've applied to job after job and you've gotten no after no. And Jesus is saying, hurry, come down to me and let's go apply to these jobs together. There's a mother here. You're feeling so alone. Your children don't say thank you. You're totally exhausted. And Jesus is saying, let me into your heart today. Let me help you carry your load. There's a man here. You're feeling rejected because your wife gives you so little respect and affection. And in her eyes, you never measure up. And Jesus is saying, come and give that disappointment to me. I will accept you and help you. You don't have to be so alone. Is Jesus Christ looking at you today? Hear his gracious call. Is he saying to you today, hurry and come down for today. I'm going to stay in your house, in your heart. Here's the truth to take home. The rejected are accepted in Christ. Hey, listen, as we close today, I want you to ask yourself a question. Where am I in this story? You know, in your program, there's a little drawing on the back. Did you see that? A little drawing? I want you to put an X where you think you are. Where are you? I mean, some of you, quite frankly, you ought to put your X just outside the picture. Because maybe you came here today just to make somebody happy. You came here today to get somebody off your back. You've come to fulfill some type of religious obligation. And maybe you're realizing that you're at a place in your spiritual journey where you simply need to move from being like uninterested to at least be curious. 
to at least be part of the crowd. I mean, who is this Jesus anyway? I mean, is he some kind of irrelevant, ancient, religious relic? Is he like a rabbi to be honored, a prophet to be revered? Or is he the Lord of heaven and earth who came to this planet, who died on a cross in my place to pay for my sins, who rose again, is ascended into heaven, and is coming back someday? Who is this Jesus anyway? You know, if you're skeptical about Christ, we want you to know you're welcome here to ask questions, to have doubts, to have hard conversations. And and the call for you today may be this simple. Just join the crowd for a while. I mean, come to church for the rest of this series, all the way through Easter. Don't miss a Sunday. Just be curious. And maybe if you drew your ex way out of the picture, you want to draw an arrow to the crowd because he's asking you to move to the crowd today. Or maybe you're here and you already put your ex in the crowd because you've already curious, but today Jesus is asking you to move from being curious, a part of the crowd, to go out on a limb, <laughs> to get into the tree so you can see Jesus better. And I'm not sure what that looks like for you. I mean, maybe it looks like, okay, I'm just going to read the, the four first New Testament books, the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because I want to know more about Christ. It might mean joining a life group so you can hang around some other followers of Jesus and find out more about him. It might mean you're going to pray to Jesus about some specific problem you have, and you're going to see what he does to help you. But today is your day to move from the crowd to the tree. You might want to draw an arrow to the tree. Or maybe you're already in the tree. Maybe you've been seeking for a while, and today is your day. And I believe that in this room today, there are some who in your heart, you've heard even today, Jesus calling you by name. And he's saying, come down. He's saying, come down from your pride. Come down from your self-sufficiency. Come down from all the ways you've tried to handle rejection on your own. Come down from trying to earn enough points to be accepted. And I will enter your heart today. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to be sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. So maybe you need to move from the tree into the house. And if you turn the page, there's a response card. And it basically says, today I'm going to move from the tree to the house because I'm intentionally entering into a personal relationship with Jesus. There's a prayer that you could pray. It's no magic prayer, but Lord Jesus, I have experienced rejection. But I believe you have come for me. You're looking at me and calling to me. You died on the cross in my place for my sin and rose again. You are now inviting me to come close. I need your acceptance, Lord Jesus. So with joy... I receive your invitation. I make you the Lord of my life. Help me to live from you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I believe there are some people in this room, this is your day. Not tomorrow, but today. And if this is your day, then check this little box and put it in the offering basket. Now, we're not going to show up on your doorstep unannounced. That's not the way we do things here. But we would like to send you some information to help you. Help you. So how is God calling you today? If you're already in that house with Jesus, some of us, he's on one side of the room and you're on the other. 
And it's time to sit down and have fellowship with Him and He with you. And He will restore your joy as He reminds you that the most important person in all the universe has accepted the rejected. Lord, I pray that You would help us find more joy than ever before because of this great, great good news that the accepted are rejected in Christ. Make it so in Jesus' name.